Welcome back, and thanks again for tuning in to Beyond the Hardwood as we get ready for episode 10 of this platform. Today's episode features Tommy Strine, assistant coach at Chicago State University, and Tommy and I talk about the adversity he experienced as a young boy that made him mature quickly, injuries he received that allowed him to find his passion for coaching, the different stops and lessons he's gained along his journey, learning to bloom where you are planted, and how COVID-19 hit his body and forced him to go to battle for his life. So stay tuned as I tap in with Tommy coming up next. Tommy, how's it going, man? Man, it's going good. For I appreciate you having me on and, uh, and giving me this opportunity to kind of t- share my story a little bit and chop it up with you. I'm excited. Um, you know, I'm excited to do this and you know, bright and early out here. Um, but uh, no, I'm excited. I was about to say you up there, bright and early, looking at the lake. I just got done working out, so you know, I'm still a little bit wired. So I'm definitely excited for go. this one. <laughs> No, that, no, that's great. That's great. Not a, not a soul on the lake except for those skiers. They're they're gone now. So, but no, this is this is great. Hey, they getting that that morning ski trip out the way, man. Start the weekend <laughs> yeah, off right. Well, <laughs> well, it's pro- pro- probably safer to do it now if you really think about it. Though there's no nobody else on the lake. You don't have to worry about about anybody else. So, no, nah, for not sure, no, nah. for sure, yeah. man. Well, man, let's go ahead and hop right into it. So. Kind of tell us about your, you know, your story. I know you're you're originally from uh, Auburn, Indiana, it's that Fort Wayne, Indiana area. But you know, like I said, let's go back and just kind of talk about the beginning for you know who Tommy Strine is, and all the way to you know your mother's story before you were even born. Uh, tell us that story, and then uh, kind of get into growing up as a child and the adversity you dealt with early at an early age. Right, right, right. So you know, really, you know. You know, I guess my story kind of starts without me, right? A little bit to a degree. Um, you know, it, in, in 1990, um, my mom, uh, you know, up in Auburn, Indiana, she was driving to work. Um, and there was a snowstorm that had hit the night before with, with a bunch of ice. And, and she was pulling up to a stop sign, um, actually right across the street from, from uh, where she was going to work. My uncle owned a tanning salon. And uh, she was getting ready to pull into work there. And and uh, there was so much weight on one of the trees, uh, one of the tree limbs from the ice that, that it fell on top of her car, um, mm. you know, with impe- impeccable timing um, as she was driving. And it actually hit where the uh, where the windshield and the and the, and the, uh, and the roof actually meet um, and, and it ended up crushing her head um, all the way to the floorboard of the car um, mm. as the car was moving. Um, so, it, so it crushed her head all the way to the floorboard of the car um, and she actually ran a red light. Um, my high school English teacher actually ended up living right at the house where the tree actually fell from. It was actually, you know, kind of, kind of in a roundabout way, kind of crazy in that regard. But, um, and she was the first one that saw the accident. Um, but my mom went through the light, um, ran into the back of the building that she was going to and, and hit the gas line. And, and, you know, the Lord, uh, you know, saved her from that. The gas line didn't explode. Um, and, and, uh, you know, so, so she, she was, uh, taken out of the car with the jaws of life. Um, she was in a coma for, for many, many days. Um, she broke her, she broke her back, um, multiple places. Her, her skull cracked open. Uh, uh, I believe it was three layers, um, front to back, all the way front to back. 
Um, you know, every, obviously all their collarbone and all their other bones were broken and everything like that. But, uh, you know, she was taken out of a coma or she was taken out of the car, um, taken to the hospital. Um, you know, they, obviously they didn't think she was going to live at first and, and she ended up fighting through. Yeah. Um, and about six, about six months later, um, you know, she had a back brace on and she started to, you know, pop out of the back brace a little bit. And they, they were like, well, she's not really eating or anything like that. It's not like she's like gaining weight, um, from, you know, from eating or anything like that. Well, they, they did, they did a, um, uh, ultrasound on her and they found out that she was pregnant. Um, and she was three weeks pregnant with me at the time of that accident. Um, and so, um, you know, ironically, you know, she'll tell, you know, she'll tell you the story, um, that, you know, when she was in the car and they were cutting her out, she kept telling the paramedics, save my baby, save my baby, um, just out of intuition. Um, and, uh, but, uh, they, everybody thought she was talking about her dogs. Um, that were back home, but, uh, you know, her mother's intuition, I guess she, she knew that she was pregnant, even though it was only three weeks and she kept saying it over and over just out of, you know, out of, out of her conscience. So, right. um, so anyway, so anyway, she, uh, you know, she, I, I, I was born, um, you know, she had to have a C-section obviously. And there were, you know, they thought there was going to be complications and everything, but she ended up having me, um, you know, uh, you know, healthy, um, which is unbelievable. You know, the Lord, uh, really did an amazing job there. Um, you know, of, of making a miracle of that. And, right. and, um, you know, so anyway, so, you know, until I was about 10 years old, I, I grew up pretty normal, um, normal life, normal kid, mom, dad, uh, small town, Indiana, um, you know, big Hoosiers fan. You know, I remember going to the cro- grocery store at Kroger and getting the, getting the Indiana Hoosiers, uh, poster every year. We used to listen, used to sit in the truck and, and used to sit in the truck and listen to the Hoosiers games on the radio. Um, even though they're on TV, it was still weird to me that we would sit out and listen to the games instead of, you know, instead of uh, watching, but that was just the way it was in, in, in little town, Indiana, you know, right. you listen to basketball games, you, 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 you watch, I mean, we'd watch them obviously too. go to high school basketball games every Friday night, yep. every Saturday, you know, and it was just, you know, small town, Indiana, it was the way you did it. And, right. you know, so anyway, uh, you know, you know, I, I woke up one morning when I was, when I was 10 and my mom, uh, came to me and said, I, I can only see out of one eye coffee straw vision. So basically she's like, I can only see the white of your eye. Um, I lost everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just a random thing. It was just, she woke up one day and it was like that. And, and, uh, you know, shortly after my dad left, um, you know, so, so, so it was just me and my mom when I was young. Um, you know, so it was, you know, financially she, we, we, we were going to struggle. Um, she was a pre-K teacher and she ended up having to get her job up. Um, you know, so here I go from a normal life, normal 10 year old life to, to now having to be, you know, an adult. Um, you know, so I took some jobs out, did some things, um, you know, from a really young age, um, that really taught me a lot of responsibility and hard work and, you know, trying to help out with, uh, you know, bills and stuff like that, that I could, you know, we had family members that, that, that pitched in to help, but, um, you know, you know, my uncles really, really, you know, stepped up and, and helped a little bit with a, with a bunch of things, but, you know, so, so kind of had to grow up really, really quick, really early. Right. And, uh, you know, and that was something that I think that, you know, has kind of helped me in my career and my life. Um, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of people invested in me when I was young. Um, you know, you know, kind of, you know, when they say it's a village, it takes a village to raise somebody. It's very true. I was raised by a village, you know, but a little bit, a little bit raised by myself too. My mother will tell you too, you know, I, I learned quickly and I raised myself quickly a little bit too. So, um, you know, she'll be the first to admit that too, but, um, anyway, then, you know, came up, I went to, uh, Lakewood Park High School, um, in Auburn, Indiana, um, you know, small school, um, uh, in the backwoods of Indiana, um, beautiful campus and everything, but it was, but it was in the backwoods as a Christian school. Um, I went there, uh, played high school basketball. Um, you know, I, I, 
had a decent high school career. Um, I, I think I still rank in the top 150 all time in the state of Indiana in scoring. I was about to say, um, don't downplay not... yourself. Don't downplay <laughs> yourself, uh, <man>. <laughs> No, I, I don't rank in the top thousand in assists, um, but I do, but I do rank, <laughs> but I do rank up there in in, in points. Um, you know, so I had a good high school career, played with some really good players, had some really good coaches. Um, you know, like I said, you know, coming up through, you know, in Indiana, you either play basketball or they kick you out of state. So, um, so I learned, you know, I learned that was kind of my outlet a little bit to, um, you know, to kind of get through to some of the, you know, some of the anger from my, from my dad leaving, some of the anger from having to grow up early, you know, it, it became an outlet, you know, that and, and my relationship with Christ and then my relationship with Christ in that regard. So, um, you know, so it was a blessing. So I had a good, you know, had a good high school career, um, you know, as a junior, um, you know, I was, you know, tracking really well um, to to play college basketball. I had a really good junior year in high school, and and I uh, was looking forward to playing AAU that summer. That was going to probably be a big summer for me. I was, I was getting a lot of Division One interest, um, you know, and thought, you know, hey, you know, I'm going to go play Division One basketball and and kind of get out of Auburn and and, and um, you know help mom out and, mm-hmm. and you know not have you know and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I tore my ACL my last game of my junior year, last regular season game of my junior year. I had a kid. Uh, die for a loose ball and die through my knee and tear my ACL. Um, so I didn't get a play. I didn't get a play that summer. Um, came back my senior year was kind of hobbling around on one leg. Um, you know, still had a good senior year, um, but you know, not you know, not the senior year that that, that kids want, right? My my senior year was probably more my junior year than it was my you know actual senior year. And um, you know, but but had a good senior year and ended up playing Division three basketball at Anderson University. Yeah. Uh, for Coach Tom Slider, who actually now is in Chicago. He's up at North Park High School in Chicago, so I get to see him probably at some point um, when I'm up there. But he, um, you know, played there, had a really good year. Uh, we uh, won our conference conference regular season championship for the first time. Yep. Um, ended up getting ended up getting a, uh, I think we went on like a 19-game winning streak at one point or something like that, and, mm-hmm. um, you know, which was like the longest in Division III. Uh, his, I, I want to say the longest in Division three. Maybe it might have been in our in our league or something like that. But it was a really, really, really good winning streak. It was fun. Um, you know, didn't play much early, but played a lot late. Um, you know, as I kind of you know still was you know rehabbing and stuff. I ended up tearing my knee up again um, at the end of that season. Um, so um, you know, I ended up coming back home and ended up tearing my ACL four times. Um, you know, total. Um, you know, so, right. so, you know, that's kind of how, that's kind of how I got out of play, um, right, you know, right. retiring that ACL four times, you know, kind of got me into coaching and I, I don't know if you want me to get into my coaching journey right away or anything like that, but, but that's kind of, you know, how I grew up and my playing journey anyway. And, and that was kind of the end of it was with the, with the knee injuries. So no, for sure. For sure. And from the jump, man, your story has been incredible, you know, mother's story. And then, you know, how you, you know, you had to grow up at a early age man and, and that you know helped you mature into the man you are today and you know it carried along you know into your college career you know it's almost as if adversity was just continuing to hit you but yet you know you continue to fight and show that you can uh bounce back from anything man so um like you said you tore your acl and then you know while you're rehabbing you kind of start you know finding your passion i should say for the coaching side of the business so uh kind of talk to us about um what kind of sparked your interest in coaching like what was it that you were doing i know you were helping the indie heat if i'm not mistaken mm-hmm. um yeah yeah out at that time and, and that kind of sparked it a little bit but what was it about what about it made you just be like yeah this is what i want to do 
Right. Well, I, you know, it's kind of forced on me a little bit, you know, because when I came home after that first summer at, at Anderson, I came home and, um, you know, it's like, hey, like, I'm going to be rehab and I need to get a job like, you know, but I needed something that was, you know, kind of conducive to me being able to, to rehab as well. Right. Um, you know, so it was kind of, I just reached out to Spieth and it's like, Hey, can I coach a team? Like I thought like, Hey, I'm going to coach a team on the weekends. Right. Like that's right, all right. I was thinking about. Like, and, uh, you know, they started to give me more responsibility. Like I coached like one week and they're like, man, this dude's got some passion for the game. Like he understands it. Like, you know, let's give him a little bit more responsibility. You know, so then they started letting me run camps and they're like, okay, he's doing a really good job of camps. Okay. Let, let's let him do individual workouts. And it was literally probably over the course of a month where I went from coaching a, a fifth grade team to coaching high school teams, helping them run their plug club program, running camps, doing individual workouts, you know, traveling around and helping out with the, with, the, with every team that they had. And so like, you know, it, it progressed really, really quick. And so like, it was kind of like a crash course for me. Like I went from not coaching anything to coaching some of the best players in the state of Indiana. Right. And I just found out like, Hey man, I like, I like really like this, you know, but I still had full intentions of going back and playing at Anderson, um, after rehab. Like I had, like, it was almost like, you know, God was like saying like, look, like, you know, slow down. Like this is the path that I want you to take with this platform. Right. And so I was like, you know, I was, you know, I, cause I was, I was rehabbing with the full intention of I'm going back to Anderson. Like this is just a summer thing. And that's when I tore my ACL again was, was later in the summer. Mm. And, and so I was like, okay, like, you know, God's kind of telling me here, you know, Hey, wait a second. Like, like, listen not, to like, me. Listen know, to yeah, me. Like, yeah. 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 <laughs> so, so, you know, and so, you know, that's when I started to really realize like, Hey, like, you know, this game, like, so, and, and so that's, you know, that, that August or whatever is when I decided I was going to stay, I was going to stay in Indiana and, and go to ITFW and take classes and just work for speech for another year okay. with still the intention in the back of my mind that I was coming back the next year to play. Like this is going to be a one year thing. I was going to come back and play again another year. And then I tore it two more times before, you know, the next summer, right. you know, so it was like, you know, it was like God just hit me in the face saying, Hey man, like, this is the way I want you to go. How, how else are, how, how else are you going to listen here? Um, you know, and I really just found a passion for it. I found a passion for helping kids. I found a passion for, you know, the daily grind of it. And, you know, and, and I look back at it, you know, all the responsibilities that they gave me at Spieth, um, you know, really kind of helped me in my career. You know, it gave me so many hats to wear, built, built a ton of relationships. I realized how important relationships were. Yeah. Um, you know, whether, whether I knew it then, I guess, I, I don't know. Um, I'm learning now just how important those relationships that I built over that time were. Right. Um, you know, but, uh, but no, that, that's kind of how I found my passion. It was kind of like one of those things where it was kind of like God telling me, um, you know, Hey, like we're not going to let you play anymore, you know, but this is how you're going to use this as a platform still. Um, you know, so, you know, it was, uh, you know, it's it kind of worked out for me and it's become my passion and, and, and something that, you know, I, I, you know, want to do for a really long time, God willing. So. For sure. And I, and I was actually going to ask you that because, I know that you played at Anderson, uh, but you graduated from PFW. Now, now, do you have a degree from both places? No, I have a degree from IU actually. So I graduated from IPFW. Um, now they're not they're, they don't have the Indiana uh, accreditation anymore. Okay, but gotcha. uh, but uh, it was IPFW. So so technically, I have an IU degree. Um, <laughs> so um, I, I have an IU degree and. Uh, and it's weird. So it's like an Indiana University and Purdue University, but it's a satellite school in Fort Wayne. So it's more of a commuter school type thing. Right, right, right. Um, but it was right there, and it, and it was great because it allowed me to 
they do a lot of online classes and it's like a, you know, a commuter school or whatever. So it allowed me to do everything I wanted to do at speeds and everything I wanted to do, you know, professionally or whatever, while I was also taking classes. So, gotcha. um, you know, it's, and it's right there. They're actually, they just, uh, they just joined the horizon league. Yep. Um, you know, so that, so they're, you know, they're putting, they're, they're putting resources into their athletic department. And so, but no, that's, that's, that's where I graduated. But okay. I will tell everybody when they ask me that I have an IU degree, um, oh, degree, okay. an IU degree so. ain't nothing wrong with that, man. <laughs> 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 so man, nah, that's big time. So obviously after you graduate, you get your first like official coaching career job, um, which began at Marion high school alongside James Blackman. Um, Indiana, right. Indiana legend, um, you know, former UK Wildcat, you know, um, and while you were there, mm-hmm. y'all were ranked in the top 10 in Indiana AP poll. Um, and you also helped and develop his son, James Blackman Jr. Right. Before getting the opportunity to break into the college uh, side of it and, you know, head to Concordia University. So how was it coaching that year um, in high school? And what were some things that, you know, coaching under Coach Blackman that you took with you and that you, I should say he embedded or weren't, was embedded in you, um, that you were able to take along with you. Right. You know, so that was kind of wild. So I actually, so the Blackmans, they were at my wedding, a uh, really close family, uh, close with that family. Um, but I was, so I was still working at Spieth at the time and through that time. So I was doing stuff with Indy heat program, um, and Spieth and, you know, that, that winter, I was like, you know what, like, you know, I want to make a little bit of extra money. Like I, you know, you know, and I was taking all my classes online at that time. I was still in school. Right. Um, so I was still getting ready to graduate that was in 2013. Um, you know, so, so that was a wild time in my life, to be honest with you. I, uh, you know, so I was working at speed. Um, but then I worked at the school as well. I worked at, I, I, I worked my first semester at the, at the, at Marion high school. I was in school suspension for ninth graders. Um, and then the second semester I taught computers to uh, kindergarten through third graders. Um, and my intention with that was going there was, is like, I want to like in, in Indiana, you, you, ha- you know, a lot of places you have to be a teacher or work in the school to be able to coach high school basketball. And I was thinking right. I'm going to be a high school coach. Um, so I wanted to kind of get some experience and, and kind of decide if that's what I wanted to do. Um, and then I started teaching kindergarten through third graders computers and realized this, this isn't, this isn't, isn't the life for me at all. Um, and so <laughs> So, you know, from that regard, you know, I kind of learned that I, you know, I, you know, I didn't necessarily want to be a high school coach at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as with Coach Blackman, though, you know, being able to be around James Jr. was unbelievable. James Jr. and BJ both, um, his, his other son, um, you know, and then he has a younger one, Jalen, that's a stud. Um, but Jalen was like in fourth grade at the time. Um, but, you know, being around all those guys, just, you know, seeing their work ethic and being able to work with James Jr. every day was, was phenomenal. You know, the, you know, we had guys, you know, we had, and that was the first time I was really around, you know, probably, you know, the recruiting process more so, you know, I, obviously with speech, I was a little bit with a lot of those guys, um, right. but like that was like hardcore because James had committed to, had committed to IU as a freshman and this was his senior year. He had decommitted going into his senior year. Um, you know, so you had Crean was still coming in and Calipari was coming in. And I remember, uh, Roy Williams flew in one day with, uh, one of his assistants on a private plane and, you know, I picked them up at the airport and drove them <laughs> in and, you know, so, you know, so it was like, you know, it was really cool to be around that and kind of see all that. So, so I kind of saw the, you know, the high major college basketball side a little bit too. 
right. um, from a different perspective than the AAU side of it uh, in that regard. So that was cool. But, you know, learning from James was awesome. Um, you know, cause James is a legend in Marion. Like every place, like we would go to Applebee's for lunch and, you know, people would come in and ask him for autographs and stuff. So mm-hmm. I really learned how to like manage, I really learned how to manage those expectations. Cause when I went with him, it was his first year. Um, and Marion hadn't been good for, for a while. Um, really since probably Zach Randolph left. Um, you know, and so they hadn't been, you know, great. I mean, Scotty Wood was there that played at NC State, and they were they were decent when he was there. But, um, you know, so 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 coming in, James is kind of like, uh, you know, the prodigal son a little bit. Um, and so, you know, coming in, there was a ton of expectations. I remember, um, you know, the gym seat seventy five hundred, uh, which is actually the smallest gym in its in the conference. <laughs> um, but I remember, I remember we would sell out about seventy five hundred people every night. Wow. Um, you know, we had, we had 6,000 season ticket holders. I remember they sold season tickets one that year and people camped out to be able to pick their tickets, pick their Jeez. seats. Like you bought a ticket and then they had a certain <laughs> day where it was like, you were able to pick your seat out. And I showed up to work that morning and it was 6 AM and there were people camped out to pick their seat. They'd already bought their, they'd already bought their seat. They just hadn't picked it yet. And they right. picked their seat. They were camped out the night before, but, but, uh, you know, you know, coming into that, that program, James, you know, the way that he handled everything and, and, you know, the way that he, you know, went about his business. Um, you know, I, d- I just learned so much about, you know, that side of it. Um, you know, just the professionalism that you have to have and, and managing expectations. And, um, you know, really after, you know, after a loss to a rival school, like we lost to, you know, Kokomo High School, uh, which is a rival school one, one day. And, and, you know, just the way that he handled that, um, that press conference, I'll never forget. You know, he, he was very calm, cool and collected. He was upset, but, but, but uh, you know, he's, he's an unbelievable man. He's an unbelievable person. Um, you know, that family, I I think the world of, and, um, but it was a great opportunity for me to be able to work with, you know, such a high level, high level player and James jr. Um, you know, and and just see the way that he went about his expectations too, because when you commit to Indiana and you're from Indiana, um, you know, especially before he committed even, you know, and everybody was trying to recruit him back. Like Tom Green didn't even have to recruit him. It was everybody else in the state of Indiana. Right. So like every game we went to was, signs with James, you know, James come back, James, you know, so, you know, seeing, seeing both of those guys, how they manage expectations and how they manage, you know, pressure was, was something that I, I think that I learned a ton from them. Something I'm definitely going to take with me, you know, in every stop that I'm in. They're definitely big time. And, and obviously, you know, after, after your year there, you, you know, take an assistant spot at Concordia as an assistant coach um, under Ricky Young. And um, you were there for a short time, but, you know, um, I read an interview that you did with the NABC, I believe back in 2015, um, in which you mentioned that, you know, in your short time with them, but, you know, one of the most important things you learned from them was, you know, um, and I'm paraphrasing right now, was to be where your feet are, basically. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it was, like I said, I think it was worded differently, but kind of the same concept. How important has it been for you as you have moved up the ladder in this business to keep that saying, you know, in the back of your head, you know, always reminding yourself, you know, just be where you are, no matter where the job is, no matter how long you're in that position, um, especially when it can be tough, you know, and you can get anxious at times right. and, you know, want to get on the road or recruit or or whatever the case may be, you know, or, or assume, you know, you want to be assigned other duties um, that, you know, you're more than capable of doing, um, but it's just not your time. So kind of talk to us about that. All right. Well, honestly, you know, I used to think that whole saying was crap, to be totally honest, you know, to, to a degree, yeah. <laughs> you know, because I was always like, I, you know, so many people would tell me it. And I was like, well, yeah, but like, 
you're you're bloomed already like so, right. so the saying was you know bloom where you're planted i'm like well yeah you're you're already bloomed like right, you know right. and you know here i am like here i am just a little seed like you know and so like you know i had to get over my bit like i had to get over myself with that right like i had to get over my my you know a little bit you know as you're seeing that gather guys move up and and you're like man I, like why is that guy moving up and i'm not like you know i just had to really die to myself a little bit you know god calls us you know die to yourself and, and i really had to right um you know, and, and Ricky really instilled that in me, you know, and he kept, you know, Ricky, Ricky will still tell me the same thing. Um, that's what I love about Ricky on is it's like, he never changes. Like he'll tell me the same thing. And, you know, more and more people have told me the same thing. And, and I think it's so important now looking back at it, um, you know, cause your work really, you know, what you do and, and where you, what you work and how hard you work and, and what you do, you know, I think it's something that, you know, that, that helps build your reputation. Right. And, and I've kind of learned, you know, over, you know, recently, you know, that, that, that your reputation and who you are as a person, what you, what you've done and what people like think about you, um, you know, and, and, and the work that you've done kind of gets you in rooms that you'll never step foot in. Right. Like, like, mm-hmm. the, like those conversations that two people are having, um, you know, about basketball or anything like that. Um, your name pops up because of the work you've done and, and what you're doing, you know, where you're at and who you are as a person. And you're never there. Like you might never be, you might never be there in that conversation, but your name is because of, because of that. So right. Ricky really instilled that Ricky really instilled that, you know, in me, you know, but, but I'll be honest with you, you know, it took me a while to get over myself and realize just how important it is. Um, you know, cause I, I, like I said, I had to die to myself a little bit and just realize like, that's true. Like, and, and something else that I learned with that is, is, you know, I spent my, you know, I think I spent part of my career so worried about being an assistant coach, right? Like I want to be an assistant coach. I want to be an assistant coach. I want to be an assistant coach. I didn't enjoy being a dobo. And I didn't realize too, at the same time that like, as much as I wanted to be an assistant coach, somebody else wants to be a dobo. You know, somebody else, you know, there's a GA or there's a GA or somebody else that would do anything to be where I'm at. Um, a division one director of operations. And, you know, when I was a video coordinator and all I wanted to do was be a dobo, like how many guys wanted to be a volunteer video coordinator? Like I didn't realize like there was a ton of dudes that would do anything to be in my position. So, you know, I, you know, really, you know, I, I needed to die to myself a little bit, you know, be thankful, um, you know, and, and at the end of the day, your work and who you are and your reputation is going to take you, you know, take you, take you to the next step, you know, and, and building that relationship is being a genuine, good, genuinely good person too, as well. So. No, for sure. For sure. And like you said, man, just kind of being planted where you are, just, you know, bloom, actually, as you said, where you are. And I know that's that's something I dealt with uh, my past two years was just like focusing on where I'm at. And I really I really bought into it the second year. First year was a little bit of struggle, especially when it's your first time kind of being in the business and you see so many people right. moving up and stuff like that. So that's definitely, you know, something that, you know, I've I've gotten written down in my office now just to remind myself every day. So let's keep going. Um, So obviously, like I said, you were at Concordia for a short stint. And then, you know, an opportunity comes to be a a video coordinator at Richmond. (laughs) And you had just moved to uh, Michigan with your wife. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, you you turn around, you head back to, to Richmond, you know, and it's a volunteer spot. Um, so you're there for a year if I'm not mistaken. Right. And then, uh, you get the opportunity to, to go be a a Dobo, um, at American. Um, so kind of talk to us about that transition, you know, kind of that opportunity, how it came about for you and, and, uh, that Richmond team was pretty good also. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the Richmond, you know, the Richmond thing was, you know, weird. Um, you know, so back in 2013, you know, I, I was trying to get into college coaching, um, 
you know, and I wrote 500 handwritten letters to college coaches throughout the country, just trying to get a volunteer job, GA job, anything I could. Right. And I heard back from five of five of them. Um, one said, yes, it was a school in Hawaii, um, that it was going to give me a GA job and $500 a month. Um, you know, so I couldn't flip it financially. Right. Um, but every winter that I was in the Midwest, um, I always, you know, regretted myself. Like, why am I not in Hawaii right now? Um, but you know, so, 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 you know, I ended up turning that down and then Ricky gave me an unbelievable opportunity. He had a GA assistant job come up and gave me that incredible opportunity. Um, you know, so I was actually working for Ricky while I was finishing my degree that summer in 2014 and, and got to go up to recruit in April, paid out of my own pocket. Um, you know, cause I technically wasn't an employee of the school yet. Right. I hadn't graduated, you know, from IPFW. So, you know, got a little bit of a recruiting experience and, but, you know, paid out of my own pocket for that, paid out of my own pocket in July. You know, we moved up there, like I said, and I got the Richmond job because I had sent one of those, you know, one of those handwritten letters to Ryan Butler at Richmond with my resume. And that late August, they ended up having the, the video job come open. And uh, it was completely volunteer. I got two meal swipes a day in the cafeteria, um, you know, and, uh, you know, but drove through the middle of the night, said, hey, you know, I want this job. You know, my, my office was literally in the shoe closet um, of the locker room. Um, away from everybody. And, you know, so my wife didn't come up until November. So I slept on an air mattress and, and, you know, but I tell you what, that was one of the greatest experiences of my life. Um, you know, we were good. Um, we, we finished fourth in the A-10 that year, beat VCU twice. Um, you know, then lost to them in the conference tournament, which ended up knocking us into the NIT. Um, but learned a ton, you know, learned a ton about the game, learned a ton about the Princeton offense, which is, you know, really propelled me a little bit in this, in, in this profession. Um, you know, Coach Mooney wouldn't like me calling it the Princeton offense, but uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, but uh, you know, that you know, got got to learn that. Um, right. Worked for Coach Mooney, who was who was unbelievable, not only coach but just person. Um, you know, and worked with worked with some awesome assistants, Kim Lewis, Rob Jones, uh, Jamal Brunt. Um, worked a short time with Marcus Jenkins, so that was awesome. But um, the way that I got ended up getting the American job then was is Moon Moon took care of me. He. Uh, Mike Brennan at American, um, him, him and Moon were, were roommates at Princeton and, uh, and Mike Dobo ended up leaving and, and, you know, they kind of connected on it. And I went through the, I went through the, the process of the, of the interview and everything like that. I ended up landing that job, um, and moving up to DC, um, for not much more money than I was making at Richmond. I'll tell you that, but, but one of the, one of, one of the greatest experiences, um, I could have asked for, uh, going up there and cause Mike Brennan's just, you know, one of the, one of the greatest human beings I think I've ever been around, to be honest with you, you know, right. such a family guy and, and very, very nice. And, um, you know, three great assistants and Eddie Jackson, Matt Wolf and, and Sky Greenman guys, that, guys that don't get enough credit for what they do. Um, there, um, those guys are awesome. They're great friends. They still, you know, I still talk to them frequently. Um, you know, their wives and my wife and, and coach Brennan's and coach Brennan's wife were all really, really close. We had a really good staff dynamic up there. Um, which is really, really cool. You know, it was a great experience. Um, we weren't great when I was up there as far as the team goes. Um, but we had really good kids that, you know, I think, you know, all developed and everything like that. And, and I learned a ton from Mike. Again, it was a Princeton offense thing. So I got to learn some from him, um, with that. But, but I learned so much, so much from those guys. So it was, it was a good transition. And DC was a great spot for my wife and I at the time. We were a little bit younger and, and got a, you know, you know, we didn't make a ton of money, but we, but we got to have a lot of fun and spend a lot of time together. Yeah. Um, in, in a really cool city. And, and to be honest with you, that kind of helped develop me culturally as well. Um, you know, just cause you know, it is a, such a melting pot, you know, coming from, you know, small town, Auburn, Indiana, you know, kind of open up your eyes a little bit of, you know, Hey, this is a, this is a different world there, you know? And so that right. was cool. Got to go to Australia, got to go to Australia with the team, coordinated a team, uh, team, uh, 
a foreign trip to Australia, which is an unbelievable experience. Nice. Uh, made, made, you know, and through that process, which is really cool, as I never even thought of was, is, you know, got to make some contacts in Australia, but, you know, some friends in Australia as well. Yeah. Um, that I still talk to today and everything. So that was pretty cool. But I, you, you didn't realize it when you're going through the entire process of getting passports for all your players and everything and all the stress you went through, just, you know, how much it was going to, A, benefit your career, but also, you know, just like, you know, your friendships and the, in, in the culture that you built with that. So, no, those, those were two really good experiences, ones that, you know, like I couldn't have asked for a first, you know, a better, you know, first experience to college, you know, athletics, college, you know, basketball than those two. Let me ask you this. what If you uh, remember your trip to Australia, what was – one of the most unique things you ate in Australia. One of the, uh, so when we were in, we we went to like the, we went to one of the. I, it started with a K. We went to one of the um, uh, tropical rainforests or whatever there in Cairns, and uh, they had kangaroo meat pie, and so I ended up having hmm. a kangaroo meat pie, um, which was really cool. Like I, I'm I'm I I'm one of those people who will try any type of food. Yeah. Um, you know, so so I was we we were literally walking through like this little village, and they had kangaroo meat pie. I was like, "Hey, I got to try it! Like, where else am I going to do this at?" So tried it. It was like a pot roast. Um, it was pretty good. Um, you know, then I felt really guilty that like you know probably about an hour later there was you know I was taking I was taking pictures with wild kangaroos. Um, you know, so I felt <laughs> oh, a little guilty man. about that. But you but no, it was it was it was unique. It was unique for sure. You over there chomping down on kangaroo jack, man. Man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah crocodile, crocodile Dundee at his finest, man. <laughs> man, that's big time. Well, you spent three yeah. years at American, um, you know, and then you get the chance to go with Coach uh, Dennis Felton to Cleveland State. Yeah. Um, his first year there at Cleveland State. And um, you were there for a year, and then, you know, you get the – make another move and head to Lamar. Um, so yep. talk to us about what each of those places did for you um, as you carried, you know, the same title for three, well, at three places, I should say. Um, right. how, how, right. However, you were involved in many aspects that, you know, helped you grow. Um, so kind of talk about right. that, especially because, you know, the one thing I feel like Dobos um, or anybody, GAs, you know, you you almost kind of get stuck in a sense with doing the day-to-day operation stuff but at the same time you know like for your example for yourself you're you've been doing things that have been setting you up to be ready to be an assistant coach whether it's you know right. film breakdowns uh x and o scouting reports uh things of that nature you know building your your network and right. your connections um so kind of talk about how important it is to do that type of stuff um as a as a why you are a dobo and you can't get on the court and uh coach right 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 well yeah so so yeah i went to cleveland state was there for a year it was good to get back to the midwest um you know about two and a half hours away from home um so that was good i learned a ton you know while i was there um one of my best friends in the business now is sean sims you know he's our video coordinator him and i worked hand in hand with everything um you know coach feldman is a very very detailed guy so i, I learned a lot you know just how to be detailed in literally everything um you know, you know, all the way down to the micro detail. I mean, crazy detail oriented. Um, right. You know, and then you know, came down to Lamar and worked for one of the best, not only coaches but men. Um, you know, the, the 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 lessons that I learned from Tick Price. I can't stress this enough. The lessons that I learned from Tick Price in one year it w- it will carry me for a lifetime. Um, yeah. I love that man. Um, he's, uh, you know, he he's he's unbelievable. Um, but uh, 
but no, as far as, you know, the things that you learn as a dobo that, that kind of help you become an assistant coach, like, you know, I, I think I pulled something from every place I've been, you know, when I was a video coordinator, I learned how to break down film, how to look at film and, you know, and, and pe what people don't realize is, you know, a lot of times those video coordinators, they probably know your offense and your defense better than any coach on your staff right. um, yeah. because they, because they watch it because they watch it so much. Right. They, that, that's their job. They watch it. They break it down. Um, you know, I remember when we were going to the NIT when I was at Richmond, uh, we didn't know who our opponent was, but I had gone online and found that we had a possibility of, I think it was like 24 or 32 teams or something like that. Um, and I knew going in, you know, so, so we lost on a Friday night in Brooklyn and that Sunday was going to be the, um, the selection. And in order for our coaches to be prepared, I went through every 30, every, all 32 teams or 24 teams or whatever it was um, that we could possibly play and had Co coach Mooney select the DVD. So burned five DVDs in their last five games for each team and put together, the, you know, put together the initial scouting report for all, all the teams that we could possibly play. Right. Um, I think I stayed up for like 36 straight hours or something like that to do that, you know, but at the same time I learned a ton, you know, what are you looking for? You know, you know, you, you start to learn, you know, what your boss is looking for, you know? And so as a video coordinator, I learned that, you know, then I become an operations guy and every place, you know, your operations is a little bit different, right. you know, it's preparing you, you know, preparing you in different ways. Um, you know, nobody, I, I'm a big believer that nobody's a better relationship builder on your staff than your Dobo. Um, because he's got to, he's got to build a relationship with high school coaches for camps. You got to build relationships with your, with your SID to be able to, uh, put stuff out, you know, on social media. He's got to build relationships with everybody in administration because he's, you know, your liaison back and forth. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, across campus, he's got to have, you know, a ton of relationships across campus. Um, you know, not to mention he's got to have camp relationships with the players in a different way than what the coaches do, um, because he's kind of responsible for their life, not just, you know, basketball, right? Like he's responsible for their, you know, their housing, their, you know, their, you know, driver's license, you know, everything that you don't, you know, everything that everything outside of basketball, you know, they're probably responsible for it, helping them. Um, you know, so, so, you know, being a master relationship builder, you know, I think it's part of the Dobo job, you know, so, so as you, but, but at the same time, you know, you know, you kind of, you know, Rick, this is another Ricky Yon thing. And, and I actually learned this on the beat ready the other night. You begin with the end in mind type thing. Um, you know, as you're doing all that, you can't lose sight of your goal of being an assistant coach or being a head coach eventually someday. So, so you're pulling all these things that you're learning. Um, but at the same time, you're like, you know, you can't lose sight of like, I still got to keep my relationships up with AAU coaches and, and know, you know, I always used to try to every year, um, you know, try to make sure that I had a list of recruits. Um, that, that I would recruit that I knew of or names that I would know of just in case I got an assistant job. Right. You know, that was something, you know, I think that I would always do, but I would also keep, you know, I have every practice plan that I've ever been a part of, um, you know, and something that I, something that I, that I found that I started to do was, um, you know, a lot of times, you know, our practice plan meetings were in the afternoons, every place I've been, right. um, you know, uh, you know, in practice would be at, you know, three or four, you know, you'd, you'd meet at lunch or at noon or, you know, or one o'clock for your practice plan meeting. So I would always try to get into the office at six o'clock, seven o'clock to get all my work done during the day, um, during the morning hours, you know, when nobody else was there, when, yeah. coach, you know, when coach was still, you know, and so that way I could be in on those, on those practice plan meetings, right. you know, because if you had stuff you had to do, you couldn't be in on the practice plan meeting. So I would always try to get in, um, you know, especially like Cleveland State and, you know, even Lamar and stuff like that. I would try to get in at, at, at six or seven, um, you know, and get all my stuff done before lunch, you know, cause the other thing that I thought, you know, the other thing was, is, you know, a lot of times if you did that, you know, your boss would go to lunch and you take you with them. So it was a way to build a relationship with your boss outside of the office. Right. right. Um, you know, I, I've been, I've been blessed with coaches that, that would take me to lunch and, and, you know, moon was great with that. Um, 
you know, Mike never took lunch. He just worked all the way through lunch because he, he, he worked all the time. Uh, you know, I'd usually go and get lunch for Coach Coach Belton because he would work through lunch as well. But, 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 but Tick, I would go to lunch with, you know, almost, you know, every day with that kind of stuff. But just a way, you know, build a relationship with your assistants as well, you know, outside of the office. So I would try to get everything done early um, so I could be in on the practice plan meetings, you know, being on those type of, you know, those type of settings. Um, you know, and that's something that that's something I thought was, has really helped my career, honestly, because I, because, you know, then you're in on those meetings and every once in a while a coach will be like, what do you think? You know, what do you think about this? I mean, you know, how do you, you know, do you have a voice in this? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so, so it, it prepared me um, to a degree of, you know, Hey, now that I'm in on these practice, I mean, I know what, I know what practice time meetings look like now, right, um, right. you know, so you, so you have to, so as you're adobo, you know, you got to take care of your responsibilities, right? You have to do what you have to do. Um, but at the same time, you know, I learned quickly get ahead of it so much that we so you can be in on the stuff that you know the assistants are doing. You're not necessarily doing assistant duties, but you're learning. You're in the room and you're watching it, um, and, and you're learning from that regard. So um, you know, you so you got to make a little bit of a sacrifice. You sacrifice your sleep a little bit, probably. You sacrifice you know some of that stuff. But if you can get so far ahead of your responsibilities as, as a dobo in the mornings in the summertime when everyone when nobody else is there, you know, then you can uh, you know then you can kind of you know, prepare yourself for your next step a little bit, you know, just by having the time to do it. No, for sure. For sure. And, and obviously that worked out for you, man, obviously with where you are now. Um, and, and we'll get to that here in a, in a second. Um, but, but let's push forward and talk about, you know, the, the past six months for you, uh, during this, you know, pandemic, um, obviously, you know, it's been unfortunate that, you know, you all couldn't finish the conference tournament, especially after winning that first game in the conference tournament. Um, and I know it's been for you, it's definitely been quite a roller coaster <laughs> during this time. Man, you know, man. obviously, you know, obviously you were named to the NABC 30 under 30 list. Um, you know, the relationships, you know, you built over this time through Zooms and the Be Ready platform. Uh, you know, your daughter was born during this time. Um, yeah. And then, you know, just so much more. And then, you know, kind of got all these accomplishments that are you know things that you know you're starting to build for yourself and then boom you know you get hit with this you know life life threatening virus and now you're in the middle of the ring uh with this thing called covid uh so talk to us about that time for you because i know i know a lot of us want to actually hear it you know we read it you know but we want to actually hear your story right well, man, like the way the way that you just went through those past like couple months or whatever is like a like a bad movie. Um, but no, they, <laughs> but, you know, I mean, it's kind of crazy. Real quick, it's kind of funny. I was joking with my wife the other day, and I was like, you know, we had, uh, you know, we moved down to Texas, you know, last year or whatever, and we get down here and Imelda hit, you know. So like the first movie that we lived was the day after tomorrow, you know, and then then we find out like a month later that my wife's pregnant. So then we, you know, we lived the movie knocked up, right? And then, uh, you know, so, so then like the next thing that happens is one of the oil refineries blows up, um, in November when we're at a game, you know, it blows up and shuts down, you know, our entire, like I had to get evacuated from our house and everything. So now, now we're living Chernobyl. Mm. Right. And then, uh, you know, then all of a sudden, you know, we, uh, we go through, um, COVID. So then it's, I am legend is the next thing. So it's like, you know, like we're living our life in movies here. Um, right. when we were down there. but no, it was, it was, you know, but no, it's, uh, you know, the last six months has been, it has been an adventure. Um, you know, COVID, you know, it was kind of crazy. You know, I, I was, I actually had taken a, a, about a 10 day vacation. We brought my, actually we brought my, my daughter, um, up here to kind of see her family for the first time up in Indiana. And, and, uh, you know, I came home, my wife was going to stay about, 
you know, about a week longer than I was. I went back to work and my wife was going to stay a week longer up here. So I, I went to the airport on that Friday night. I think it was the 16th or the 17th um, of July and uh, picked them up at the airport. And on the way back from the airport, I started to develop a pretty bad headache. And, you know, I thought it was, I hadn't eaten. Um, so I was like, you know, maybe if I get home and eat and I ate and I still had a fever. So I woke up that, that Saturday morning. Um, I had 103 fever still. And then, you know, so went in and got the, got the nasal swab, um, which I was hoping was going to be the worst part of the whole thing. Um, you know, but, but, uh, you know, got the nasal swab. They called me back about 25 minutes later and was like, yeah, you tested positive. like one of the rapid tests, uh, tested positive, stay in the room. Don't worry about it. So, um, you know, that Saturday, um, you know, I would get chills really bad. Um, felt like I had a tractor on my chest. Um, my body just hurt really bad. I had a headache. Uh, my fever would go from 103 to I would sweat. Um, I'm talking like Shaq at the free throw line type sweat. Like, mm. you know, like it was horrible. Um, I actually went through like four bed sheets and like, you know, I'd go through an outfit. I go through like a shirt and shorts like every, you know, every hour, every two hours. Um, and my fever would break down to 96. And then an hour later would jump back up to about 103, 104, um, you know, just every hour. Um, you know, like the tingly feeling you get when you lose, when, when your foot falls asleep and then it comes back too. Yeah. That was through my entire body every time I moved. Um, mm. So I couldn't really sleep because every time I would twitch or anything like that, my entire body was under that sensation. Um, I lost taste for about an hour. I, I had a bad earache for about an hour. Um, you know, so, so I had pretty much every symptom that you could possibly have with it um, to some degree, but my body aches were bad. And that was Saturday and Sunday. And then Monday came and you know, I started to started to get a little bit short of breath, started to cough a little bit more. And my wife was on the phone with our pediatrician that she was really close with. And our pediatrician suggested that my wife get one of those, um, you know, those things that you put on your finger that monitors your your O2 level in your in your uh, in your uh, oxygen. Right. right. And, uh, and and you're supposed to be above 95. And I clipped it on and I was at 89. Um you know, and drop into 88, 87 and, and, you know, back up to 90 and back down and forth. And she was like, let's get to the ER right away. Um, you know, so all this is happening. I'm still having the fever, still having the chills. Um, you know, my wife drives me to, to the, to the ER. Um, they get me in there. I was in the ER for 14 hours. They wouldn't give me a blanket or a pillow, um, or water or anything. Um, mm. cause they were just trying to figure out what was going on. Um, the doctor came in and, and they did, so they did like a, you know, every test imaginable to man. Uh, but they did like a, a chest x-ray and uh, she comes in and she's like, all right, so here's the deal. It's bad. Um, she said, your lung capacity is about 19% right now. Your lungs are filled up with infection from the COVID. Um, you know, she said it's the effects of it. She said it's basically double pneumonia. Um, she said, so here's your lungs. And she showed, she showed me your, my lungs. I'm like, I don't know what I'm looking at. Like, you know, I had no idea. Right. And so she's like, well, here's what, a, here's what a normal lung looks like. And, you know, it's a picture of, you know, two, you know, two black, you know, black lungs, basically. You know, I, I guess I don't know how to describe it, but two black lungs. And she goes, here's yours. And mine were pure white, except for a little bit of black. Um, and she mm. said, all that white is infection. So, you know, one of my lungs is completely shut down pretty much, you know, with infection. The other one had about 19% capacity left in it. Um, she said, so here's the deal, you know, we're going to put you on an oxygen thing for your, so they put me on an oxygen thing in my nose only. Um, you know, so I was getting oxygen pumped into my nose, but she was like, we're going to, you know, we're going to do this, this trial that we've been doing that we've had some success with, where we're going to pump you full of plasma. Um, and then we're going to every, every half an hour to hour, we're going to put an antibiotic into you and then a steroid into you back and forth, just rotating it every half an hour to hour. Um, so they moved me up to the ICU then. Um, 
really lonely experience, to be honest with you, because um, all it was is a hospital bed, um, uh, you know, about a 12-inch television, and then, uh, you know, like they had like an air ventilator in there that was really, really loud, so you couldn't sleep if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so within that room uh, for, for five days, and every half an hour to hour, they'd come in and put a new needle in my hand. Um, I actually found out afterwards, uh, the nurse said that they had documented um, 117 pokes of needles or injections um, of some type of some type of medicine um, mm. over a five-day span. Uh, my my hands were so swollen from getting pricked that they stopped actually putting a tourniquet on it to like you know to make the veins pop. The veins right. were already popped, so they just would come in and I would you know have my eyes closed. And next thing I know, I'd open them up and there'd be a nurse putting a needle in my hand. I had no idea. Um, you know they would you know so for five days it was you know very little sleep, a lot of needles. Um, you know, but, but honestly, you know, so, so it, was a, it was a tough situation there, um, you know, but the loneliness is probably the worst part, you know, just being there in that room. But, but to be honest with you, it ended up, you know, I, I felt prayer. I felt, you know, I felt, you know, my, my Be Ready family. I felt my, you know, my wife would FaceTime me when she could and see the baby and everything and and uh, went through that and, you know, you know, kind of fought through it a little bit. You know, they gave me goals and, you know, I was like, yeah, forget those goals. I'm going beyond those. Like, how do I get home? You know, right. the only thing I wanted to do was get home to my daughter. And so, you know, they, you know, here, here's a goal of, you know, you have to you know, blow into this thing and hit this number. Well, yeah, forget that. I'm hitting twice that number, you know, if that's going to get me out of here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so really had to really just had to buckle down, be tough. And, and, you know, like I said, you know, the power of prayer and you don't really realize, you know, just how much that power of prayer really really pushes you, you know, there, there was strength that I, that I didn't, that I didn't have on my own that I was feeling from, from the prayers and the backing that I had from, you know, my be ready family, from the coaches that I worked for, that I worked with from, um, you know, the P you know, to be honest with you, you know, this might sound crazy, but you know, there was thousands of people that were praying for me. I had no idea until I got home. Um, yeah. you know, and, and every one of those I felt, um, you know, so, so that was, you know, that was unbelievable. And, you know, you know, I, I walked out of the hospital, you know, I, well, you know, they wheeled me out and then I walked to the car, but, but, you know, right. got home and, and, and got to see my daughter again, you know, and that was, that was unbelievable. And, you know, and, and it beat me up, you know, I'm still, you know, I'm still recovering a little bit, but it didn't beat me, you know, it beat me up, but it didn't beat me. And, yeah. and you know, it's a, you know, and that's, you know, it wasn't, it messed with the wrong person. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't going to let it, I wasn't going to let it, not, I wasn't going to let my daughter grow up without, uh, without, you know, a dad, you know, but, uh, you know, the nurse or the, the doctor actually called my wife um, after I got out of the hospital and said, uh, you know, had we waited another five to 10 hours, I probably wouldn't have made it. Um, and then she also said, if, if I would have caught this in March, like I did, they didn't know enough about it. I probably wouldn't have made it. Um, you know, so, you know, I guess I never really realized how serious it was until I saw that text message um, because because di- dying never crossed my mind. Um, you know, it just wasn't an option. Um, it was never going to be an option. Um, you know, for me it was, okay, this is just a blip on the radar. Um, you know, it's going to be, you know, five days and I'm out of here and you know, that, that's just the way it's going to be. Right, right. Um, and that was just my mindset, you know, and, but then you start to realize the, you know, you are immortal, <laughs> you know, you are, you're, I had to realize I wasn't invincible. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, when I got out of the hospital, cause then I had another, I had another two weeks of quarantine where I'm sitting in, sitting in my room going nuts. Like I can't work out. Right. My daughter's <laughs> right down the hall. I can't, I can't hold her. My wife's right down the hall. I can't give her a hug. You know, and then, you know, my wife's bringing me up Chick-fil-A and putting it on a, putting it outside my door and I have to open my door and pick it. Like, you know, it's like, you know, these are, you know, this is, you know, this is, you know, this, this is real. Like, this is something I had to do. So, you know, it was, um, 
you know, I, you know, a lot of people will ask me, you know, my story and everything like that. Like the only thing, you know, or, you know, you know, how serious do I need to take COVID and everything like that? You know, I'm not going to tell you go wear, you know, if you don't want to wear a mask, don't, you know, you know, I'm not going to tell you that you need to, but you know, I'm going to tell you that, that it's, you know, I was 29 years old. I woke up every morning at six o'clock and worked out every day. Um, you know, I ate a keto diet. Like I, I didn't, I didn't, I don't smoke. I barely ever drink. Um, if I do, it's a glass of wine, Coach Tang. Um, but, you know, I like, you know, I like, you know, I barely, barely drink. You know, I eat very, very healthy. Um, you know, I mean, you know, but, you know, it, it, it hit a 29 year old that was in good shape, you know, and so it can hit anybody, you know, and so I'm, you know, I'm, I'm to the point where I'm, you know, I believe that, you know, it's a real thing that we need to take it serious, but at the same time, like, it, you know, you got to make your choice, you know, at the same time too. So, no, oh, for sure, man, for sure. And, it, and it's good to see you back on your feet, man. It was, you know, like you said, you had a whole village behind you during that time, man. We all were praying for you, praying you pulled through and, and, you know, and, and that video that we saw of you, you know, getting out the car, getting into you, going in the house, you know, when your, your staff, uh, previous staff at Lamar pulled up on you. Um, you know, it, it was great joy seeing that you you overcame that man, and and again, man, you're a true warrior. You know, you've been, you've you've had a lot of lot of adversity in life, man, but you continue to come out on top every single time, man. So it just kind of it just kind of you know proves your resilience, man. And again, man, ain't ain't too many people big time like you, man. So I'm I'm, I'm glad to no, see. No, I'm, 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 I'm not not big time, not big time. Just, uh, you know, I'm surrounded by a lot of big time people. Um, nah, for you know, sure. So you, I guess sure. you you, uh, you are who you, you you keep your company with. So luckily, That's I'm right. around a lot of big time people, so I can kind of you know I can kind of stay back in the shadows and still be considered that. I guess maybe a little <laughs> bit. But no, I'm I'm surrounded by I'm surrounded by big time people. I, nah, you know, sure. My one of my things is, is you know I, I try to answer every text, every phone call, every email I can because you know I don't want to big time anybody because I'm not big time I'm just a small town dude from Auburn Indiana that, that that's been blessed to live a dream right and that's right. um you know I told coach Irvin the other day you know I you know, this is a dream come true for me you know and and you know you know small like I said small town small town two stoplight town Auburn Indiana man like that you yeah. know that, that that's who I am you know at the core and and you know but I've been blessed with you know you know amazing people in my life um you know my wife you know you know, she, she, what her and my daughter have gone through in the last six months, um, <laughs> absolute warriors, man, like unbelievable, sure. you know, the stuff that, you know, you know and, and what they've gone. I mean, I, I couldn't, I mean, you know, as, as, as Kevin Durant would say, they're the real MVPs. Like they've been unbelievable. Yeah. Like, you know, just, I mean, you talk about, talk about going through the COVID thing and then, you know, you know, literally three weeks later packing up our entire house and moving, you know, cause I couldn't really help out with the moving time. I get, I get out of breath getting off the couch. Right. Um, you know, at times, you know, so, so she's packing up the entire house until three, four in the morning and then driving across the country. I mean, you know, come on, man. Like, you know, yeah, she's, she's a warrior. She's unbelievable. My daughter, um, you know, not many, not many four month olds can sit in a car seat for 21 hours as you drive across the country. Right. So right, you know, right. She's, she's unbelievable. So no, no, but, sure. no, but I, I'm surrounded by a lot of big time people. No, um, for sure, you know, I'm very, I, I, I you know, I want to stay humble and, you know, because all I am is just a small town dude from, from Auburn, Indiana. It's been blessed with a lot of amazing opportunities. So. No, for sure, man. And it's obviously paid off for you, man. And again, man, the village that, that you have behind you is strong, man, and powerful. And, and again, man, we're glad to see you back on your feet. So I appreciate it. For sure. For sure, man. And so let's kind of get into, you know, your new job. So for those who don't know, you know, you 
most recently accepted an assistant coaching spot at Chicago State. Before we kind of, you know, get on how that came about, when you were going through the interview process, did you hit Coach Irvin with uh, your your infamous uh, be ready uh, uh, message uh, that you did on the interview uh, one? I did not use that one, actually, Coach. So I did not. I did, uh, <laughs> you know, because I was I was still in the hospital when Coach called me. Oh, okay, um, gotcha. You know, so so I was so I was uh, I wasn't sure that he was going to be able to hire a great assistant coach because I wasn't sure if I was going to be I was going to be out of that hospital. <laughs> you know, so, so you know, I couldn't couldn't lie to him. No, I uh, I did not. I did not hit him with that, uh, Coach Amir. I apologize. I did not use that line. Um, but no, I did not. <laughs> Okay, well, well, kind of, kind of talk to us about you know getting this opportunity now at Chicago State and kind of what it means for you and and just kind of talk about what it is that you want to do um, and establish you know for yourself and for that program uh, you know being a first year right. assistant at the Division One level. Right. Well, I mean, so you know, first off, I got to thank the you know Coach Brooks and the Be Ready family because without the opportunity of the interview process. Um, that we did, I, I never would have had that opportunity. Um, you know, that's kind of how coach Irvin kind of learned about me. Uh, you know, Corey obviously, um, played a part in it, and, you know, and everybody in the be ready family. So, you know, I got to thank coach Brooks and, and, you know, that entire family for, um, you know, the platform that they gave me and then continue to build into me and, and be a great resource for me and, and truly a family. So, you know, thanking them first and foremost, but, uh, you know, I'm living my dream for like, I am, you know, like I said, when I first got into this, I never, I always knew that I was going to be a division one assistant. I just didn't, you know, but I started to doubt myself a little bit. Right. Um, you know, is is this really going to happen? You know, here I am going into, I was getting ready to go into year six as a Dobo year seven, you know, in coaching, um, you know, and coach Irvin kind of called me and said, would you be interested in Chicago state? I said, absolutely. Um, and you know, and, and, you know, I had, you know, I had some people that, you know, were saying, you know, Hey, that's a tough job. It's a tough job. I think it's the greatest job in the world. Um, you know, because, Coach Irvin wants me there. Coach Irvin wants to be there. Um, you know, and so for me, I think it's the greatest job in the world because, you know, I'm, I'm going to go in and work as hard as I possibly can and do, you know, and, and help, help coach Irvin, you know, you know, build, build it into something new, you know, and, right. and, you know, and, you know, it's easy to go to Duke and win 30 games, right? Like he, you know, but you know, if we, you know, go into Chicago state, let's go win 30 games in Chicago state. Now 30 for 30 is written about us. Yeah. You know, you go into, you know, going to Chicago state, you win 20 games and, and you do something that's never been done there. Um, you know, you, you can be legendary. And I think that, you know, that's kind of, you know, our whole saying is, is, you know, be prepared, be legendary, um, you know, be ready, you know, and that's, you know, that's what, that's what I want to do is go in and, 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 you know, help, help coach build something that he believes in, you know, and, and I believe in it. Um, you know, I, I went up there Monday for my HR meeting and, and I walked into the arena. I was like, this is beautiful. Walked around campus. This is beautiful. And, you know, I came out of there thinking, um, you know, we're going to do something here, you know, and, and I truly believe that. And so, you know, my first year as an assistant coach, you know, I, you know, you know, I, 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 I had always, I've always had the, you know, the, I don't know what the word would be for it, but I rather, I rather a coach have to pull me back from doing too much than have to push me to do more. Um, you know, so I always told myself when I got my opportunity to be an assistant coach, I was going to go in guns a blazing and, you know, coach Irvin's had to pull me back a little bit already a couple of times from doing (laughs) too much. And like, Hey, so, you know, but, but I much rather, I much rather do too much than, than, than not enough. And so, um, you know, but I think the biggest thing is, is like, I'm going in and, 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 and I believe in coach Irvin. I believe in coach Rowe. Um, I believe in Chicago State. I believe that we can do something there and, you know, and, and, and betting on not only myself, betting on coach Irvin. 
um, you know, and, and what we can do there. So, you know, like I said, I'm, I feel so blessed because I'm living my dream. Coach Irvin gave me, is giving me an opportunity and every coach I've had is giving me an opportunity, right. Um, to do something, you know, so, you know, but, but coach Irvin's giving me my opportunity and, and, uh, you know, literally living, literally living my dream. Um, you know, and that's, you know, that's what, that's what's awesome. I think that, you know, when I have that, when you have that mindset of, you know, this is my dream job, you know, you work this a little bit harder, you're, you're willing to go a little bit extra and, mm-hmm. um, you know, but, but I, but I do say this, um, you know, I think my biggest thing is going to be my balance of my home and work life. Right now that I, now that I've hit my, hit, you know, found my dream and, you know, so I'm passionate about it and you know, I'm going after it as hard as I possibly can. You know, I got to realize too, that the most important thing I am is a husband and a father and a Christian first yeah. and foremost. And I can't let those, I can't let those things, uh, you know, I can't let those things, you know, because I'm getting my shot and because of that, I can't let those things, um, Fall on you the know, go to the wayside. Right. And, 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 and the best thing about coach Irvin is, is, is he's 100% about family, um, about your relationship, you know, about, about, about your religion. Um, you know, and so that's been, that's been awesome to be able to work for somebody like that, you know, cause coach Amir, you know, and a lot of people in my life too, but coach Amir is something that really stuck out to me during the interview process. He said, you know, you got to make sure that your core values align with your head coaches, um, right. you know, a family of faith and stuff like that. And coach Irvin definitely does. He's a family guy. He's a faith guy. Um, so no, I, I could, like I said, you know, for, I'm living my dream, man. Um, you know, like I said, it's a small town, Indiana dude, that's getting an opportunity because of, you know, I, and it's funny, you know, I look back at it, every step that I've had kind of led me to this. Right. So, you know, I, I took the job at Lamar kind of on faith. Right. And I got the job at Lamar because I worked at, I worked at Richmond where I met Kim Lewis has become a huge mentor of mine and he worked for tick and, suggested me to tick and I am getting that job. Right. Right. Um, you know, so, so that's the first thing, right. So that's how I got that job. And, you know, I worked with Brandon Chappelle then at, at, uh, at Lamar. Well, the way that I got on beat ready was Brandon hit me up with a text at seven fifty eight PM one night. And was like, Hey man, like there's a really good, there's a really good zoom that you need to get on tonight. Here's the link. I'm like, what time is it? He's like eight o'clock. I'm like, I like, I'm like, you know, I have a shirt with like baby spit up on it and like a, you know, like a, like a backwards hat on. I'm like, right. whatever. Like, yeah, Brandon, Brandon said, do it. One of the things I learned at the Dobo is like your assistant coaches say to do something like go do it because they're not going to lead you astray. Right. Right. You know, so I jump on the be ready and it was uh, Grant McCaslin was the first one. And so Brandon's like texting me like during it. He's like, Hey man, make sure that you ask a question and get your name out there. So I'm like, okay, cool. So, you know, I text, you know, I, I asked like a, the dumbest question in the world to Grant McCaslin. I felt like an idiot. Um, but my name, my, my name popped up, my picture came up, you know, I looked like a mess, but, you know, then I followed up with AB and, and coach Tang and, and, you know, a bunch of coaches in that, you know, Amir, you know, and guys are getting back to me, right. Damon Sotomayor, like getting back to me. I'm like, Oh wow, this is great. So then I show up to the next one. I show up to the next one, show up to the next one. Um, and start to get more involved to be ready. And then, you know, AB gives me an opportunity to do the interview process, starts to take notice. And I'm like, you know, and so then all of a sudden, because of that, I got the, I got, you know, coach Irvin calls me, Hey Tommy, you know, what's up, you know, interested in you you know, we want to do something different with our offense type thing. You know, what, what kind of offense have you worked in? Well, I worked in the Princeton offense, you know, when I was at American and Richmond, you know, Tommy, I've been thinking about that, that Princeton offense. I've been studying it a little bit. Do you think you can teach it? Well, yeah, like that's like, I've poured over thousands and thousands of hours of video of it. So, yeah. So it's kind of funny how, you know, so because I worked at Richmond, because I worked at American, that kind of helped me as well. You know, so all of my experiences, all the things that, you know, hey, I'm frustrated, I'm a dobo, I'm not moving up. You know, hey, you know, I'm taking this leap of faith and going down to Lamar. I've never been to Texas before in my life. Um, 
you know, and so like I get down there and then, you know, coach Chappelle hooks me up with, you know, be ready. And I just randomly get on one night. Um, you know, so it's kind of funny how all these experiences kind of tied into, you know, me getting this job at Chicago state. Um, you know, the Lord was at work. I just didn't, I just didn't see it, you know, and it's funny how that, how that happened. For sure. And, and again, man, we're excited for that opportunity for you. We know you're going to do great things up there at Chicago State. And, you know, just just, you know, we can't wait to follow the success that y'all have, man, building that program. And definitely look excited to tune into some games uh, for y'all. But yeah, no, no, we're excited. We're excited for sure. Well, man, I don't want to hold you up too much longer, man. But uh, I always ask my um, guests if you had to. Um, think of one person that I should get on the show. Who would that be? Oh man, one person you should get on the show. I'm gonna throw out Mikael McLean. You know, I, I've got to know Mikael for you know over this pandemic. He's become one of my one of my good friends. Um, you know, I, I think that he's he's unbelievable. Uh, I think he's a rising star. Oh, um, sure. All those guys, you know, Lester and Anthony White and. Um, you know, all the, all the, all those dudes are, are rising, rising stars in this business for sure. Um, you know, guys that, you know, like, you know, I, I got the opportunity with Lance and I feel so blessed, but those dudes are next. Um, you know, so well you know, I get a hold of those dudes, you know, all those guys, you know, all those young, as, uh, as we call them, young goons, um, Eric <laughs> Gracia, you know, all those, all those young goons, uh, Tim Pete, you know, all, all those guys, yep. I think those guys are, those guys are big time, you know, and those guys, those guys, whether they know it, they push me every day. Um, to uh, you know, to be better, and then whether they know it or not. So you know, those guys, all those guys, you know, and, and you know what Mikhail's doing with uh, with his NBA breakdown. You know, Les does an amazing job at the Casper. Anthony's going to find a job and he's going to kill it. You know, wherever he's at, Tim's doing a great job. You know, Eric Gracia is one of the best at, at Photoshop that I've ever been around. Uh, that dude can that dude can teach anybody anything. So you know, all the, all those guys, man, and and, and Brandon Branch, man, uh, Brandon Branch, uh, somehow, some way. He gives me energy every day, and I don't know how how he does it. You know, I like I like wake up and it's like I, I was about to Brandon say. Branch has been a quote already. And it's yep. like three a.m. I'm like Brandon, <laughs> like bro, like you like got to sleep, man. Like he's a rising star as well. And, uh, for those sure. Guys and, um, so no, all those guys, you know, and, and those guys are all all unbelievable dudes. And yep. um, you know, I'm so thankful. You know, it's funny. It's funny. You know, I've never met AB AB three in person. I met Lance Irvin in person for the first time on Monday. Um, you know, and all those guys I just mentioned, you know, even you, I've never met any of you guys face to face. Um, but I feel like you're family, right. And it's unbelievable. You know, this pandemic was trying to, trying to shut down our world, but it's actually brought us closer together, no, um, for sure. you know, and create, create a different. And, and, and so, you know, like I said, like, you know, COVID tried to beat me, you know, physically, um, you know, but it's trying to, you know, it's trying to beat our basketball world up a little bit, but at the same time, I think it's going to, I think it's going to just make us all stronger and I think it's going to have a reverse effect on it. So, um, because of the relationships that we're building with each other. So um, I appreciate sure. you having me on, man. This has been unbelievable. Um, you're doing amazing stuff and, and you know, I, I've been so glad to get to know you, man. No, most definitely. And same on my end, man. You know, if it wasn't for the pandemic, you know, I, I always try to look at the positives. You know, there ain't no guarantee that if we would have had the final four, all of us would have been able to meet each other and connect the way we have over this these past few months, man. So definitely blessed to have you all in in my life and, you know, and the, you know, continue building the relationships that, you know, we continue to to build and just grow as, you know, we continue to move up. So appreciate you taking yep. the time out to 
come on here, you know, this early morning, man. I know the the sun. You probably watched the sun rise over over that lake uh, this whole time, and and uh, now you know it's it's the weekend. So not not trying to hold you up, man. Going to let you go ahead and get yeah. your weekend going. Uh, I appreciate it. I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go get on that workout routine that you that you're doing. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go <laughs> run around a little bit. And you know, like I said, I. I I, I don't I don't look like y'all. I gotta. I'm not in shape and don't look like uh, you know. I, I'm not uh, not all not all jacked up. I gotta go man. go get a workout in here and try to try to try to get to looking like y'all, man. Man, shoot, you do that CrossFit stuff, man. So that's ne- that's next level. My workouts don't include too much running. Uh, well, it's a lot of lot of weights. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I I tell my wife. My wife, uh, it's funny. I started doing CrossFit, you know, and I come home and I'm like. Yeah, we did thrusters or something today. I'm not very good at those. You know, hey, we did front squats today. I'm not very good at those. She asked me one time. She's like, "Well, you tell me every night, every day, that when you come home, that you're not good at these. What are you good at?" <laughs> I want to show up every day. I show up every day. You there know? you so go. The only there thing is, is, hey, I'm consistently there. That's the only thing that matters. So, right. Exactly. No, I, you know, like I said, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna go get a run in. Just, just a run. So, no, just today's was a run. So, no, I feel. That, no, I appreciate man. it, man. Like I said, I'm a big fan of you. Uh, big fan yep. of what you're doing, and uh, you know I appreciate you having me on. Nah, I appreciate it, man. And, and, and until next time, we'll be in touch. All right, brother. No, no problem. Talk soon. All right, man. Take care. Thanks again for tapping into Beyond the Hardwood. Just a quick reminder to share, subscribe, rate, and leave a review. And also, be sure to follow the Beyond the Hardwood page on IG as we continue to build this platform. And until next time, remember, life goes beyond the hard work.